2: Wait, are you recording this one, am I? Yeah, boy. Okay, let's just be utterly I, mean, I, mean, Adam I, want, to hear, I want to hear Adam say the words, yes, I'm recording. <laughs> yeah. Boy.
1: It is Thursday, which means it's time for the Front 3 Q&A podcast with me, Adam Bolwood. Lawrence McKenna is here. Good evening. Chris Henich is here from New York. He's got dodgy signal, in case you can't tell. He's going to be flitting in and out. Uh, and Dave is at Old Trafford. We'll be dialing him up in a few moments. Um, before we get into all that, though, is, of course, the Q&A podcast. We'll be taking your questions on Twitter. We should take a moment, though, to reflect uh, on the tragedy earlier this week, Chapi Coince, the team uh, aboard the plane that crashed in Medellin in Colombia. Uh, 76 people were killed when the plane went down, carrying the Brazilian football team in the early hours of Tuesday morning. Obviously, a very sad tragedy. So our thoughts go out to the family and friends of those affected. Uh, just an awful, terrible there, situation. Lost. A, whole, uh, you
2: know, a whole generation just of awful. Club. And, you know, A lot of people are reflecting on the the wider uh, ramifications of this. And a lot of people making very sweet gestures towards it, uh, showing that, you know, it, it, there's a lot of goodwill to a lot of other football fans and, and football teams out there in the game. And it is, it's a awful thing that's happened on just a human level, even outside of football. Yeah. Um, truly. But it all, at the same time, it, you know, there's, there's been some really lovely gestures from, mm. from all over the world. So it's nice to see people positively, um, Ref- reflecting on such yeah. a tragic event as well,
1: coming together to sort of uh, yeah. commemorate in a way. There was there was minute silences today at many uh, training grounds around the world of professional teams, Real Madrid and Barcelona, for example. There are also uh, commemorations before the EFL Cup games tonight.
2: A lot of players, a lot of players touched by that as well. Yeah, yeah, like uh, Lucas Leiva and um, David de as well. Of course. Uh, who you know, we don't know how close they are now with the players, but at the same time, having played with those guys. You know, it's, uh, it must be uh, quite a jarring uh, and upsetting event for them. So.
1: Manchester United, of course, were in action, taking on West Ham in the EFL Cup. Dave was there at Old Trafford. Let's dial him up now to get his thoughts on the result.
3: Well, this is uh, David O'Brien reporting for the Front Free. And it was an exceptional performance for Manchester United in the second half. The first half was a little bit like recent games in the Premier League, where they created a lot of chances, but they didn't put the ball in the back of the net. But then in the second half, they really decided to... They just thought to themselves, you know, lads, let's score some goals. Um, and it was a good performance from McTirion and Antonio Valencia down that right-hand side. That was absolutely lethal. For a number of years now, United have lacked something on that right-hand side. You know, all the attacks focused down the left, especially last season. I think Something like 39% of United's attacks were down that left-hand side. But this season, hopefully, McTirion and uh, Valencia can give United a great outlet. I think what it gives uh, Antonio Valencia, it gives him confidence because the problem with Antonio Valencia is sometimes he gets to the final third and he looks back and he looks for the central midfielder and the momentum dies in the attack. With Henrik Mkhitaryan sort of playing as an inside right forward, there's an option for him inside that he can play off, that he can play one-twos too, that he can, you know, the back heel for the, the third or the second goal, whichever one it was, was absolutely fantastic. Mkhitaryan running in the inside channel. I think that's what it will give United with Mkhitaryan and Antonio Valencia
1: you mentioned McTiernan, obviously he's A2 assist there, but perhaps the biggest cheer, perhaps the biggest moment of the night was Bastian Schweinsteiger playing his first game since March. What was the reception like in Old Trafford for Basti?
3: I, I, to be honest, right, this fellow, like, fair enough, he, he loves the club and whatever, he's, he's built himself a brilliant media profile, but he hasn't done enough. Hasn't done much for the United. He's played that one season. Like, that reception that? probably louder than a lot of receptions for players that have given years and years for Manchester United where's that affection coming from you know, then people, do you think as
1: you say is it kind of a, a it's big PR movement it's a, it's a it's move it's
3: media his? personality isn't it that's it it's not performances on the pitch it's just the media personality and unfortunately wait. that's what's taken another thing that really pissed me off in the ground wait right? was wait,
1: that wait, wait, wait
2: hold on Sebastian Reijnsteiger
1: yeah he's, Dave's you he's what? cultivated like a nice guy personality you know maybe people feel a little bit sorry yeah. for him that's where all this affection's coming from it's not actually for any on the I pitch know, I
3: don't, I don't no, no on the pitch reason. So for me, well, you know, he's like any other United player. He's yet to, yet to um, you know, show himself as a as a hero in a way. You Maybe know, part his of his it was that Mourinho no, never days. gave
1: him the chance to prove himself to be a hero. There. Yeah, know.
3: Uh, it was a weird. It was just a really weird reaction because it was the loudest cheer of the night. It was a weird one for me. Um, it's not a weird um, one. It's
2: obviously it's obviously that he stayed at the club when Mourinho put him in the reserves. He's battle. I think back it's a weird first. one. It's...
3: Uh, it's, it's it's the weird sort of where football's going with kids playing on Snapchat and their phones and iPads out and all that type of thing. A game of football that you're supposed to be watching and concentrating on, it's just, it's it going strange. Show. Someone like Bastion Scheinsteiger. Sorry, the are correct. you talking about Bastion it Mourinho hey. loves, loves a side show, Dave.
2: The, Rino,
3: Mourinho What's loves a side what? done for Manchester United. Sorry, mate, do you not, do you like, not realise?
2: So it's purely based on what, uh, you, you should only applaud someone based on what they've done for the club, not out of respect for the player, not out of respect for the fact that they've been through a hard time, not maybe. Out That's of not what actually... I'm saying.
3: What I'm, what I'm saying is there's, there's a loud roar. There's a, one of the loudest roars that I've heard in seasons for a player that has played 23 times for Manchester United, plus his um Yes, he's won a World Cup. Yes, he's done this. Yes, he's done that. But I feel that the right, needs to build him up to a level that he's...
1: But what you're saying, he Lawrence, is that he has Yeah, what you saying is that but, but obviously uh, well, that he, he deserves respect well for
2: looks. those achievements. But. Uh, well, I, I also think it partly represents the way that the fans feel about the decision that Johnny, Jose Mourinho or whoever it was at the club made to put him into the reserve. It's an interesting one, and, isn't it?
1: Because it's
4: almost, exactly. almost dissent from the think, fans, no? I seriously think that's a huge part there. No disrespect to Dave, I think that's what he's missing. It's that really that kind of raw. For a player that's done nothing but been ostracised, I would say unfairly ostracised. It's symptomatic of how the sport is feeling at the minute.
2: Uh, or at least, at least <laughs> a body of the supporters, or maybe even just that, that you know it, it comes out at that point and it shows that actually Mourinho's decisions don't really, don't actually stick with the majority of the fans.
1: Um, Dave, I mean, uh, on the pitch, what did contribute, and would you like to see him included in the team going forward? <laughs> no.
3: Yeah, I think he's, uh, his his time's done at Manchester. United. I don't feel that he's got a role to play in Manchester United. Yeah, fair enough, he can sit on the bench and do what he wants, but he's got no big importance like Ander Herrera, Michael Carrick, Paul Pogba. I've even put him behind someone like Morgan Schneiderlin. You know. that's it. He will go in in January. Whether this is to get him fit to sell him to a club, maybe that's where the where you know where the club is sort of positioning itself. But
1: yes, I mean, it's a shrug of the
3: shoulders.
2: It sounds like he drank the Kool Aid.
1: I'd say it sounds like he spat out the Kool Aid, Lawrence.
2: Well, no, because the Kool-Aid is Mourinho's Kool-Aid.
1: I'd say the Kool-Aid is Schweinsteiger's Kool-Aid in a way, no?
2: Yeah, but what... There's what, two what Kool-Aids, right? we inter- established that. No, Schweinsteiger... Oh, well, well, I suppose there are two Kool-Aids, but at the same time, Schweinsteiger Schweinsteiger deserves uh, to play. I mean, the point but is why that he's, he he's a player
3: in play? the... He doesn't deserve to play. He's not good enough anymore. He's not fit enough. He can't play... I'm not saying... The, I, yeah, you know,
1: I would, say that, I would say that Mourinho's reaction... Was perhaps uh, seems from the outside a little bit over the top. It seems a bit harsh to to relegate a player of Schweinsteiger standing in the reserves, but to then again, say the opposite, he deserves to play. we don't, we don't, don't know. Might, we don't know. Who knows?
2: I, I think it's.
1: But you don't, I can you, again, see both sides they, you of you it.
2: Don't, really? you don't know that though, do you? And you also, you also. But you're you, saying you,
1: he deserves to play. where since
2: when? Why? Well, I mean, if Marino is bringing him on the pitch, then he deserves to play. No, he's probably, like
1: Dave's saying, he's probably bringing him onto the pitch, put him in the shop window, get that fitness up for Chandler. At, which,
2: at which point then, he's earned his right to play and leave the club.
1: What about, um, Dave, because we could spend all night talking about the situation, talk to me about the performance of Wayne Rooney, because I saw a lot of uh, reaction online saying that this is one of the better, or one of the best, Wayne Rooney performances for, for years.
3: Yeah, I think he was one of the best three years of you know motivated Wayne Rooney, motivated Rooney that has something to prove. is a good range, Wayne Rooney, and that was the problem. Wayne Rooney stopped caring, um, but now you can see that he has he's got something to to do on the pitch, and he you know he has to get his, his position back in the first team, and I think that's a that's a good thing for Rooney. And he, yeah, he was good. He it was the, the flexibility of some of his runs, his movement off the ball, the interchange of the three forwards or three attacking midfielders behind nothing all night was fantastic. You know, Mick Tyrion, Coming on to the left, Antony Martial going to the striker position and so forth. It was it was very fluid, and, and Wayne really is part of that. And Wayne really you know, was instigating some of those counter attacks, winning the ball back, playing it forward, and then making a run forward. And it was um, you know, it was a fresh United team, very very fresh behind the left hand, especially in that second half. so they did a did a lot better. And again, down that right hand side, they create down the right and they score on the left hand side. That's what United need
1: to do. A good evening then with. Ibra with Martial among the goals. Like you say, a good performance from Wayne Rooney. What about the opponents though? Did they offer up much uh, against Manchester United? Was it a very different game from the weekend in the Premier League with the same opposition?
3: They were, yeah, they were. They were very, very poor. They, you know, the only chance they really created was the chance that sort of came to them was the David De Gea handling issue. Um, obviously, David Daheia has had a bit of a tough week with uh, Clever Santano. That's the fellow's name. He used to play with like, Atletico. Obviously, passed away in the terrible accident in in Medellin so potentially his head wasn't in it um, we can't criticise the Gea too much because he's been sober for the last season but eventually you know you're going to go potentially back to the mean of your performances which will be a few mistakes in a season and that was just one of them uh, but luckily Manchester United pulled through together as a unit
1: and finally um, a word on your opponents in the semi-final whole city
3: well we just got to make sure the Tigers don't roar and we'll be okay
1: I think it's going to be a whole Southampton front of myself. Anyway, Dave, uh, we'll let you go. Go and enjoy your <laughs> shandies uh, and enjoy your night on the town.
3: Yeah, sweet. Cheers, guys.
2: I don't. Know, do you not feel like it sounded a little bit like uh, it was? I, I think that's an interesting. It is funny though to get the biggest I mean, cheer I mean, of the know, season. Bastion Schweitzer. Obviously, obviously, we take different we take different angles to try and make a sort of a, a conversation sometimes. But I still think very often on the podcast it does sound like a few people that. Certain levels of uh, YouTube ness have uh, make a few excuses for the way that Mourinho has acted. Mm,
1: this is, but I I would usually wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, I think uh, there is a certain hypocrisy in backing Mourinho to the hilt when I think some of his behaviour should be criticised and we should look uh, look at what he is doing. But in this case, um, I can sort of see both sides of it. For you to say, yeah, Schweinsteiger deserves to play, it's like well. Why
2: he deserves? Better? I'm not saying the treatment of him has been fair by Mourinho. Um, I think I think it's I think it's more that Schweinsteiger deserves respect and therefore potentially deserves that's a different to, to get to, to be in the first team squad. I mean that's a different
1: are, uh, argument almost. He doesn't deserve to be relegated to reserves with, to be treated with from what the outside looks like uh, a contempt almost for Mourinho. I mean
2: it, it, the point is you know if it was if it was if it was something maybe that Schweinsteiger accepted or it was something. Um, I mean, you know, the point is there have been other people who have come out in the press as well and said similar things against Mourinho. I, I think Mourinho at this point is losing because he's burned a lot of bridges with other people in the press and in the game, and those people are now, you know, those chickens are coming to roost. Maybe, which which is and makes for uncom- excuse me, it makes for uncomfortable situation for Mourinho because even if he's right, there are still people in the German national team and. England in the Premier League all over that say well I think Basti should be playing or at least should be uh, allowed to train with the first team and, and actually yeah Mourinho is allowed to choose but the fact is that he's burned so many bridges and there's un- and from the outside it's perceived that he's treated other big players fair- unfairly at previous clubs and at Manchester United that people don't seem to be drinking the same Kool-Aid like I say. I
1: like the Kool-Aid therefore, because uh, I think both of them are serving different sort of kool Aid, you know
2: I would I would say that though Mourinho has a history of serving Kool Aid, this is the first time maybe that Bastian Schweinsteiger has uh, cooked up a batch.
1: Yes, and maybe some you should you should spit it out sometimes. You know, to take it that one step. I think you I think you should always spit it out and give a balanced Kool Aid. Yeah. There you go, Lawrence. Lawrence says it: spit, and never swallow. Of course, yeah. Manchester United, either way, going through to the semi-finals. They're taking on Hull, of course. Elsewhere tonight, Southampton uh, progressed to their first semi-finals of the EFL Cup for the first time since 1987. Um, they beat Arsenal, uh, an understrength Arsenal. Arsene Wenger made 10 changes to his side. Um, an insipid display uh, seems to be the common consensus among Arsenal fans, Uh once again, Arsene Wenger uh, knocked out of the League Cup. He hasn't won it in his 20 year reign in North London. He's not going to win it this year either. Southampton going through to the semi finals to play Liverpool Lawrence, who won 2 0 oh. against Leeds United uh, yesterday evening. Um, and a great performance. And perhaps more importantly, the man signalled the headlines Ben Woodburn, uh, the teenager who now eclipses Michael Owen as Liverpool's youngest
2: goal scorer. Yeah, but it was 60 days or something, Um, and good for him, he's he's done very well, Klopp commented on him before the game and said, you know, he's finding it hard to keep him out of the first team uh, in in games like this, Um, and it was, you know, that he thought he should be starting games, or he was making a case to be starting games very soon. Uh, Of course, he is only 17, it was a good goal though, and obviously he's listened to Klopp, I think that's partly what Klopp wants, uh, is someone who listens and Executes, And that's maybe why Klopp is enjoying some of the young players because they're easier to mould in that sense. But the the, the wider uh, point for Liverpool is actually that uh, Gary had identified, if you like, a few uh, weak points within the Liverpool team and then decided to play on them, which is that if a team sits back and then breaks, Liverpool also struggle against that. They find it hard to break them down in that sense. So Liverpool drew the team out, drew the team out, got in behind the back line. It was ultimately very good crossing uh from uh arnold that that got got one if not both of the goals and sort of attacking the left-hand side and down the right wing for liverpool that got the goals but it wasn't without you know uh, them hitting the post uh, the inside of the post from a lovely strike and also bossing liverpool around just from having sort of weaker center backs even if one of those mm-hmm. was lucas
1: also through to the semi-finals, as Dave said there, the Tigers' whole city, Chris, beating Newcastle on penalties. Uh, what happened in this one? Rafa Benitez probably wondering how his side didn't win.
4: Newcastle lost, that's, that's all I'm willing to say on this one, really. Disappointing, obviously.
1: Hashtag analysis.
4: Watching the game, they, they dominated uh, possession chances i mean i appreciate that some will cite the red card and say well of course they did actually they had a more than lion's share for, for periods before that this was in a lot of ways from a newcastle perspective this was a real test for them because it was a premier league so, uh, the project stroke development with with rafa Benitez, but also just which players could maybe get up there and start i, I think honestly the biggest takeaway and, and mentality is in that group and look there will be further tests now because they've lost back-to-back games for the first time, I think, since September or something like that, or since the start of the season, rather. Um, and now they've got to go to Forest on Friday night. Um, I sound a bit keegan here. They've got to go to Forest on Friday night and try and get a result, which will not be easy, knowing that Brighton are only two points behind them. Everyone is expecting them to win the league, which, in a lot of ways, I think is a, has been a bit harsh on them because everyone was willing to laugh when they were losing, and then the second they started to win, they didn't really get any credit for the most part. It was, well, this is what we expect. The finishing was just the thing that let them down most. They had, I would say, a fair few really good chances, especially in extra time. Dwight Gale, Matt Ritchie, they all had good opportunities. They just couldn't seem to put it away. And when they did get it on target, credit to Yakupovic, he was pretty impressive in goal. Um, Honestly, watching this whole team, I will be so surprised if they stay up. Um, Because there was periods watching that game where I honestly thought, I'm watching, like, a top-of-the-table championship pressure. That's, that's what I felt like I was seeing. There's very little kind of inventiveness or spark about Hull. They're very easily ruffled. Um, the press that Newcastle put on them just constantly unsettled them. And credit to them for going through. I think, look, they still have to score the penalties. They still have to find an equaliser, so they deserve real credit for that. I think any team worth their salt and with a bit of quality and composure in the final third We'll put three or four past them in the
1: next round. Right then, that is your EFL Cup roundup. Let's get in to the good stuff, the questions. Good. First up, Alex James at Villa Fan 28 writes in, asking, "Do you agree with some Spurs fans calling for Poch to be sacked?" Um, not any Spurs fans. I know, Alex. Um,
2: I don't know any Spurs fans that are saying that either. Um,
1: yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there are some on on Twitter tweeting hashtag poach out, but I think that's obviously a very uh, five year olds maybe a very over the top reaction. Um, obviously, I was not here for Monday's podcast, but having watched the game uh, against Chelsea, it was actually one of Spurs' better performance uh, in the past couple of months. To be honest. Um, very pleased with the way Spurs played in the first half they seem to have rediscovered a bit of that intensity Christian Eriksen who's been very poor uh over the past few weeks uh scored a fantastic goal and looked a lot more lively Deli Alli as well looked like he's he's getting back to his best form so you know I think if people are calling for for posh out I think they need to get a bit of perspective essentially and like he said after the game he came out and said look it's one one defeat in the league. I know uh, through all competitions, the last couple of months have been poor and have been difficult in terms of the team's form. But if you look at that and say, well, there's, there's one defeat in the league, it's a tough game away at Chelsea. Harry Kane's coming back into form now, who's so important for Spurs. Eric Lamella is on his way back. Toby Alderweireld is supposed to be in contention to play against Swansea at the weekend, who's obviously been a massive factor in, uh, in Spurs' recent poor run. Um, I think it's no coincidence that you know Spurs have the best defense in the league last year in the past couple of games we've been conceding you know two goals the last three games in a row we conceded two goals so to have Toby back I think will make a massive difference uh, to the side essentially so you know I'm not too worried um, I was encouraged by the performance despite the defeat so poch out uh, I think only if as Lawrence says you're uh, you're a five-year-old potentially so, yeah. I mean, no respect to, no disrespect to five year olds. No, um, five year olds are valid football fans and uh, good luck to him. Yeah. Basically. Uh, here's a question good luck for you. To him. Good, good luck, luck to him. the five year olds. Good luck in your lives. Uh, here's one for you, Lawrence. Uh, why do you think Klopp persists with Kevin Stewart? In my opinion, he should focus on other youth players. That comes in from the main man, Haz, HJD Cornish. Long time listener. Thanks for your question, Haz, Lawrence. What do you make of it?
2: Uh, Well, I think it's that Kevin uh, has shown a lot of good um, touches and uh, good interplay uh, and shown that he's a forward and progressive midfielder in the shape that maybe Klopp wants him to be. Uh, I know that he made a couple of mistakes. I think it was more about his uh, spatial awareness and basically being pressed in the right places the other night. Maybe something that he's not used to in that way. I think it was also quite a physical lead side Kevin's actually had some pretty good performances for Liverpool when he started or has come on as a sub in the cup or um, for Klopp in general, actually. Um, so I think he persists with him because, um, you know, he's, he's got the opportunity to. And Liverpool, he, he probably has the faith in him that he can do well in the midfield. It was still a strong midfield shape from Liverpool the other night. Liverpool still had experience in there. Um, so I, yeah, the reason I think he persists is because I think he sees something which is good. And, you know, he was alongside Emre Chan just the other night. So it's, you know, it's not it's not terrible, is it? It's not terrible, no.
1: Um, no. Chris, this one's for you. Uh, Francesco asks, what are your thoughts on Vincenzo Montella uh, and what he is building at AC Milan? Now, you actually wrote an article for this, did you not? Uh, about this very subject for, for Yahoo. I did. I just published it this morning. I think his I think his connection has gone, Lawrence. Um, I genuinely, yeah. It's gone. Um Chris will hopefully be back later in the podcast. He's out in New York, you know, he's on the streets of Manhattan, he's he's going to Starbucks trying to get Wi Fi, you know, he's struggling at the moment, but hopefully, uh hopefully Chris can rejoin us soon. Because In the
2: old days we used to just persist and let him just it, 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 No longer. No longer No longer. Not after all those um, bad comments. He just WhatsApp me saying, Give actually. me one second. So hopefully, you know. Um He'll be. He'll be. Back Hopefully, soon. in a minute, he can rejoin us.
1: But let's continue anyway. Let's else. just carry on. Um, Barça. Everything said. Did Mourinho deserve his ban for kicking the water bottle against West Ham? What did you make of this situation, Lawrence? Oh, because a lot of people <sighs> pointed out, Jurgen Klopp he swears at the linesman, and everyone thinks it's charming. Everyone thinks it's passion. Mourinho it's kicks charming. one ball, one match ban. Pfft. You know. Uh
2: yeah, Well, I mean. Um, no, we, Which we Kool-Aid sort of this, are you drinking
1: now? You know?
2: We had this discussion the other night with Dave and how uh, you know f- from the, the difference between maybe Klopp and Mourinho is that Mourinho has actually been aggressive towards other people in the game, uh, having poked people in the eye. And I think uh, essentially some people are a little bit bored of some of the things that Mourinho does. And he's got a few people behind the scenes who maybe aren't so happy yeah. with him.
1: I wish Dave was here to answer the question because I feel like I am quite anti-Mourinho. I feel like you're quite anti-Mourinho. Not like no, I'm not, I'm, it's not I'm I'm
2: anti-Mourinho. It's that I'm, that it's makes that us it sound
1: biased. I, but I mean, we not, have us, I have a negative actually, opinion of him.
2: The fact is, actually, I want to see Mourinho do well. I, I actually really like him as a as a manager. As a really um, and as a as a as a manager, I used to love it. Like I used to re- to some extent be obsessed with him as a manager, a football manager. I used to read books about him. Uh, you know, we'd find whatever articles I could about him. I wanted to make documentaries about the guy. And, Do you know what I think uh, is, I,
1: and I said this to you the other day, I think Mourinho is doubting himself. I don't think he's ever been in a situation before where he's ever had to doubt his methods truly or question what he's doing the, it, it, the results have always come be it at Real Madrid where he obviously had that difficult time and uh, the dressing room proved to be uh, a lot to handle in terms of the egos there in terms of the personalities and and, and the power the certain players held but you know this season for example is not a situation that Mourinho is used to and of course uh, he wasn't used to the situation last season at Chelsea being in the chasing pack or falling behind he's always used to being at the top you know, creating that siege mentality uh, and, and, and leading from the front, letting everyone else chase, to have fallen behind so quickly. It's difficult to build a siege mentality when you're not performing, when you're not winning games. To get the players to buy into your methods, to buy into your psychology, I think is difficult. So I think he almost doesn't believe in himself uh, as well as the players not believing in himself. Do you know
2: what I mean? Uh, see I also think that other things have changed around him. And he is now sort of in a situation where he's playing catch up to some extent uh, to the way that other you know, other managers have moved as well. Uh, and also, I think he went to United and wasn't expecting some of these situations that are now there. I think maybe he thought it would be a little bit easier. I think things would have gone Mourinho's way. I think he also expected the press to treat him maybe in a different way. And a lot of people have briefed or began to sort of speak out against his, him and his ways in that sense. Um, I think it's people true. also had a bit of time to reflect on how Mourinho was treated then, and maybe also some people have sort of taken some of Mourinho's own qualities and began to incorporate them into their game mm. and superseded, yeah, and into their own mentality and into their own psychology. And now Mourinho is finding that people are doing a Mourinho on him, and he doesn't quite know how to deal with that because before he was quite a unique character.
1: It's true. It's very true. Chris, you back?
4: yes i should be can you hear me okay
1: oh you sound yeah. beautiful i mean that well. is a smooth-ish connection um chris we were just uh speaking to you before about ac milan
4: give me one second i might i, sh- I should be okay in about one second i'm about to get into higher ground i think
2: Hi, Where higher are are
1: you? actually give me one
4: second too
2: First of all, it's genuinely incredible that in the first place we can even talk to each other from halfway around the world.
1: Yeah, let's appreciate that, you know.
2: Yeah, Chris as well. Right.
4: Okay, there we go.
1: Talk about that article and talk so, about AC Milan.
4: Yeah, so so I think Montella deserves a lot of credit, of course, because he's he's obviously in the senior team and he's he's implemented a style that's very uh, appealing on the eye, and and just is not the easiest to to put in place. I think what you have to do, though, and this is what the article kind of covered is look at the Milan situation in its entirety. So around 2013, they look at the Youth Academy and decide that it's not producing in the way that it should be. Um, and they toured a, a lot of famed academies, Barcelona, Real Madrid, etc., and devised their own strategy for building players. And it was quite a holistic strategy mainly. Um, and it wanted to focus on every avenue. But the aim was not necessarily for the teams to win, but for the teams to produce players. Um, which I think is something that maybe gets lost in football from, from time to time. Um, that's where the guys at Locatelli come through, Don Aroma come through. Granted, some of them are just natural ability, that, that goes without saying. But the infrastructure and the pathways for them to get to the first team has been key. Um, they've now got the youngest squad in Serie A, which is a pretty impressive feat. When you could say last year they were 10th. Um, and just in general, they've looked looked really good.
1: Next question. Well, it's less of a question. It's more of a statement, maybe a threat. I'm not quite sure. It comes from at tripat171 who just says, stop your anti-Messi agenda. Do we have an anti-Messi I mean, agenda, Lawrence?
2: Maybe he was talking to, maybe he was talking to Ronaldo.
1: Um, I am of the opinion that Messi is the greatest player of all time. So
2: therefore, but It doesn't mean that you can't be anti-him.
1: Well, I did actually ask him, well, what does he mean by that anti-Messi? I thought, you know, we're in that anti-Messi. He said, for one, there was no mention of Messi and Suarez guiding Barcelona to the double during the league and Cup wrap-up. Also, you tried to justify Messi not being nominated for the UEFA Ballon d'Or, top three. Plus, there was no mention of Barcelona-Sevilla game two weeks ago. The Madrid derby got more coverage. I know the derby was bigger, but Barcelona-Sevilla was also big in the context of the league. Now, in our defence... I think we weren't trying to justify why Messi isn't in the top three. we were explaining why he may not be in the final three nominees because of the way the Ballon d'Or is voted for and Yeah th- I mean r- there's
2: also a different yeah there's a difference between explaining and excusing. Yeah. Do you
1: know what I mean? He said we justify we as if we were saying Messi doesn't deserve to be there for x y z. I don't yeah. believe we actually said that at the time. Um yeah. and also uh, the Madrid derby was, of course, our game of the weekend. We made a big thing of it because we wanted to focus on that game that weekend. Well, because you've got your anti-Messi agenda, clearly. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure Monday, Monday's podcast game of the weekend will be our Clasicos, There'll be plenty of Barcelona the coverage then. Um, well, I mean, if they win, I, I mean, if they lose, I'm we'll happy we, to tell you that. All I you can did. say, uh, trip hat one seven one, is I can apologise if we have come across as anti-Messi. But that's not our intention, you know. We all have opinions, but I, I think you're you're mistaken potentially in your anti-Barcelona, anti-Messi accusations. Perhaps. We're big lovers of Barcelona. We are. Who yeah. doesn't love them?
2: You know. Who doesn't? not love a Catalonian?
1: Uh, I mean, we've also, been accused of being I, yeah. anti-Real Madrid in the past as well. So I mean, what, what are you going to do? Hey?
2: If you yeah, sometimes if you're not if you are giving one person more light, some people believe you're throwing shade.
1: I would never throw
2: shade. Um, here's a good I'm question from,
1: in the office. from Louis Morad he says what do you think of having an all-star game for leagues at the end of the season maybe to influence the coefficient for the UCL and
2: UEL imagine that if it actually Ooh. had an influence on the coefficient Who I'm would? Who sure. would?
1: Uh, I'm not sure if you'd be
2: sorry you well who would I mean it, obviously that won't happen but who I would like the idea I'll say he says what do you think of it now let me
1: just say I like it because uh for me personally, I felt the Champions League is starting to get a little bit stale. We're seeing the same teams getting through to the later stages. We're seeing the same sort of matchups, uh, not just in the knockout stages, but also the group stages. Uh, I like the idea of sounding a little bit fresh. All-star teams from each league taking each other on. Messi alongside Ronaldo. That's something people would want to see. You know, Ooh, Alexis would. Sanchez alongside Harry Kane, for example. Not that he would necessarily get in a team, but you catch my drift. You know, That could be a very exciting... I would not necessarily suggest it has that influence in terms of the coefficients. Maybe it's kind of a charity sort of exhibition-style match. I think that could be quite fun. Um, I'm not quite sure about making it a competitive thing.
2: I mean, it would be it would be fun if it was a competitive thing, and it would also mean we took it more seriously. And That's it, true. I mean, would it, it would also... Would some, Messi and Ronaldo be allowed Me- to
1: play in an exhibition match? I, you know, I also think it would somewhat
2: step on the toes of international football because, because people would be like, oh, well, it represents the league, it represents what those countries have produced, and the, the pull. You know, what if someone did a transfer, say, midway through the season, who would they play for? You know, what if, say, Suarez moved... From Liverpool to Barcelona, but midway through the summer, you know, it's, it's different, a logistical you know. nightmare. Just well, it leave is, it. I mean, either that, or you put it during the winter break when all the clubs are now currently going to go away and play there. Uh, exhibition games for millions of pounds anyway so i think it'd be pretty exciting i'm just not sure you'd we be able get to from the premier league there's, i mean there's, oh, there's definitely a I think we need dave and chris around yes properly for not on trip <sighs> connections but why don't we do that, that on company, um we could do that on a youtube video don't... we
1: could yeah well, let's do it on a youtube roll. video I mean that Click is
2: the law. it's clickbait central.
1: I love it. Um, hey, yeah, yeah, let's do an YouTube video. We can sort of discuss. Days. We can set out each of our teams and discuss who would probably win in this hypothetical scenario. Maybe even make them on Football Manager or something and <gasps> compete against each other. I mean, there's so many possibilities. It's just running through my head right now.
2: Um, As a modern, mate. Modern day content creators can I'm come excited. up with full formats within a minute. Within minutes. <laughs> within mere seconds. Um, you are hearing the the whirring of a modern day uh YouTube brain you here. The cogs turning, right? The cogs uh, turning. At tiny tiny, tiny hey. uh, Intel uh, hey. I- i4. I yeah. want to say there's at least 16 gig of
1: memory in this old brain. You're right, but it's, it's only tough. it's only a, a, a two three GPU. All right, we've, lost, we've lost we lost the non Mac crowd. Let's uh, bring it back. Gary Goals, the main man at in 1996. Um, how do you rate Zidane's managerial career? Um, I think it expect- went up tonight. It went up tonight. It was was it a 6-1 win, I believe? 6-1, 6-1 con- mate,
2: and not only that, but I mean every manager, we all know every good manager can get the best from his own son. And tonight Enzo Z- Zidane scored. Yes, a lovely goal. It got me thinking how many how
1: many fathers have managed their own sons? Of course, Bob Bradley, uh, friend of the show, I think it's fair to say now. Um, well, maybe BFF makes... of the show. Uh, mm. Of course, managed Michael Bradley. Um, now we've got Sudan marrying. Uh, marrying? Managing. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, that's frowned upon. Oh, Pretty much everywhere. Oh, that's
2: Freudian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Managing, Enzo. <laughs> I've got to keep that in as well, haven't I? I can't end that. Um any other uh, fathers managing yeah.
2: their Steve sons
1: R- you can think of? Alex and Steve
2: Brooks. Uh oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex and Steve Of course, uh Nigel Pearson.
1: Hmm. Infamously we all know that one ended well. Infamously, I think it's fair yeah. to say. Chris, you got any uh
4: Sir Alex had Darren Ferguson on his book Shrubbery so
1: did he? He was actually on the mm. on the book. Um You've got Zlatko and Nico Cranshaw, Google reliably informs me. Harry and Jamie Redknapp, of course. Of course. Stephen Axe yeah. as you say. Johan and Jordi Cruyff. Of course. Uh, perhaps the, the most famous. Brian and
2: Nigel Clough. You know? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Cesar and Paolo could potentially. Maldini, yes.
1: Yeah. Um, there you have it, guys. We've...
2: Did it? Wait, 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 oh, so Maldini did it at the under 21 level or the under 23 level? Not um, well, sure. I'm Um, not sure that that's a management combination. I just think that it must be something to do because he's never managed the club, has he, Maldini? I feel like we've
1: slightly got away from the actual question talking about marrying sons and all this sort of stuff. Um, But in terms of... marry your son. In terms of Zidane's managerial career, Chris, I mean, how do you rate it? Because I think... Uh, he's now what's what unbeaten run is he on? Is it something like he's come up to the the record I think, which is held by Ancelotti, is like 30, thirty thirty one games. He must be approaching what?
4: that now. I think he's done very well. I, I think the Champions League win was. I
2: want to say good, huge for him. Uh, yeah, huge.
4: Good.
2: I
1: mean, this could be fun. We can
2: just fill in the gaps.
4: Get the the monkey. Effort. <laughs> <In that
2: regard. laughs> if you guys just paste all the words together I think you still get the answer monkey good Champions League positive the
1: monkey off is what Chris I'm dying to know
2: <laughs> next question um, here's a, a good
1: question from guilty, Eddie though. MUFC what, what is the best food to eat while, when watching football I feel like we've had this question a number of times
2: I think um, we've spoken about this a lot
1: my answer, I think, is always nachos. I mean, that's a great shout.
2: I was going to say nachos. Pizza's also a good one. Uh, yeah. Popcorn's a good one. Uh, M&M's are a good one. Uh, healthy I do I feel are, like popcorn and
1: are... M&M's, they're not like food. They're like sweets, like confectionery. You know, He's talking like
2: food. You know I Meagles. Mean? Yeah. But, uh, nachos, but...
1: fully topped. Though. I'm not talking like, oh, a little bit of like runny cheese. I'm talking chili on there, jalapenos, sour cream, fresh guacamole. Croqu- like, you've got to go all out. Salsa. Or don't. Do you know it. Some wet salsa. I mean, uh, yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah, no,
2: nachos is a great answer. Nacho Burgers, Nacho Libre. Uh, chicken wings. Chicken wings are always good. Yeah, everyone loves it. Uh, everyone loves chicken wings. Shishamo. Yeah. Let us know what what do you guys eat when you watch a, when you watch a football. Um, oh, uh, uh, faux is good. Just saying. Faux. Just a good. Yeah, you know, like P H O. Is that right? Just good food. Yeah. Nice.
1: Um, here's a question from Kyle, and I believe this one. Might have been answered in potentially a vlog going up this week on the channel. But anyway, he says, will Liverpool struggle without
2: Coutinho? Answering on my vlog, mate. uh, That one goes up, ooh, maybe, probably Friday, probably Friday. Uh, But the up and down of it is. Certainly will be a different team without Coutinho, uh, but it doesn't mean that Liverpool don't have other options. And so far, that other option has been... um, in the form of Divakarigi And tonight mm. I was actually challenged on That'll Twitter about the negativity, about, of, of, apparently of my negativity towards <sighs> Liverpool. Uh, and really? how very often, yeah. Uh, let me find this for you, because it, it was a good little answer thread, actually. Uh, it addressed that I didn't really mention Sturridge or it didn't seem I was aware of Sturridge's um, injury, which, which I was, but what I'm more trying to say is that I think the more that Sturridge gets injured, the more that maybe he proves he's not in it for a Klopp system. It's nothing mm. to do with being dedicated or anything. I just think it's that Klopp needs fit players in order to enact a system. This uh, was
1: this was a guy called Fifty Shades of Hendo, long time listener. So yeah. thank you for your comment. Albin he said, the Albino. Whenever Lostcast talks about Liverpool, I find myself disagreeing with him.
2: And I said to him, "Why?" And he said, "Maybe I'm just more of an optimist." Mm. I do like to think of myself as an optimist. Uh, but I thought against Southampton, we created more than enough good chances, whilst they barely created any. Uh, people in general underestimate our defence. It's been largely untroubled last few Premier League games, bar against Palace. I, mean, it, I always find it difficult when people say it's been largely untroubled, apart from. Um, although slightly disagree with your assessment of Sturridge's situation, etc., etc. The fact uh, that you seemingly weren't aware of his injury mm. this weekend doesn't exactly help. It just seemed odd. But again, maybe I'm more of an optimist. Um, yeah, I, I mean the Sturridge situation. Is an interesting one. I think Liverpool still have options up front. They've got they've shown that a seventeen year old can come in and do good things. It's not that I don't have sympathy for Surridge or that I don't know about his situation. It's just that I do think that there is an air of inevitability about him leaving the club. Do I think uh, Coutinho will leave? Possibly in the end. Well, but that's this- a
1: that's a relate. I've got a related question, Lawrence. This is perfect. At Edgar tweets to you, and Edgar he did tweet to us. He said, "If slash when." Coutinho leaves Liverpool, who would you get to replace him? My shout is Chanaloglu. from
2: Bayern. not a bad one. I mean, Pulisic would also be a great one, but apparently he's not on his way. Um, I, would, I would also maybe like to see someone from internally. I mean, it would be lovely to see someone else step up. Divakarigi has got question marks over him, maybe, uh, because some people feel he's a little bit uh, hot and cold and maybe he he's a bit of a pace merchant, but maybe that's not true because he has great footwork with him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there are times where he looks frustrated, though. Uh, who would I get to? Chandler is a, a lovely shout. Uh, there's also just people running from different angles in midfield. Uh, so maybe if Coutinho did leave, it would be sad because I also think Liverpool would maybe lose Firmino then, or maybe lose the best of Firmino in that sense. Uh, but I, I think if he did leave... It would be very sad. I think a lot of Liverpool fans would be very upset because they still think that they've done a lot to raise his profile, etc. And maybe for that reason, he should stick around for a little longer.
1: Pace merchant,
2: yeah? He's what, a merchant of pace. What are you a merchant of? Uh, don't say banter. Uh, no, I don't want to be a banter merchant. Uh, Conversate. Uh, I, I don't want to be a conversation merchant. I want to be a, a positivity merchant. Ooh. I mean, Maybe 50, 50, 50 Shades it.
1: of Endo, he's, he's got to you. I'll just say that. Um, well, I, mean, I like to
2: answer people's good questions. Uh,
1: you're yeah. like Bob Bradley, you are. Um,
2: I'll bloody email him later.
1: <laughs> um, Edwin Maher uh, tweets in saying predictions for the weekend's big matches. Two huge clashes this weekend, of course. Number one El Clasico. Uh, a start there, Lawrence. Um, what do you you make of this one? Because it's a huge game, not only in terms of obviously being such a historic rival, the biggest game in the world, but if Real Madrid win this one, people are saying Barcelona's title hopes are dead. I think there'll be something like nine points adrift of Real Madrid if if Madrid do indeed win this one.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't think that means it's over. We've seen bigger gaps, close, etc. In La Liga, though? uh, I can't remember the... Bigger. The draws points a
1: lot
2: out, in that league, you know? Yeah, I mean, nine, nine points is a big one to make up, especially against a, a side that are doing so well at the moment in the league. Uh, but they're clearly shown not to be un uh, untrippable upable, because the Champions League has shown that one. Uh, so I wouldn't put it beyond them. And Barcelona are a team uh, who maybe are, are currently trying to solve their problems or their problems that they look to have been found out on. Uh, will they close it? Uh, the, the, I think it, the, the El Clasico is one of those games which will probably dictate that because it, it, like you say it, it puts a gap a good gap between the two but I still think there's narrative in this season and for that reason I think that it's still open mm, Chris what do you think the
1: narrative of this game is going to be?
4: Um, I, I can't speak massively to that honestly I think they'll finish 2-2 I think mm-hmm. the two teams are narrative. a little bit closer than we might think Um and given the connection i I don't
1: think anything complicated would be worth attempting. <laughs> um, of course, the other game, uh, Man City-Chelsea. Uh, we were speaking uh, ahead of the Spurs game, saying this could be a real test for Chelsea, these two games. I think, uh, obviously, Spurs scoring against Chelsea showed that they're not invincible. Do you expect City to potentially exploit them more effectively than Spurs did, Lawrence?
2: Uh, yeah, possibly so. Uh, I I think both sides will probably end up exploiting the other one's uh, weaknesses. It's been a while since Chelsea have conceded a meaningful number of goals, uh, that being goals. Um, So I'll be excited to see what what City do against them. But realistically, also, this is a great chance for Conte to sort of galvanise the players and the Chelsea fans further because City were the title favourites.
1: It is a big game uh, for City. I think they managed to... I mean,
2: this is is essentially two of the top two sort of uh, deciding... A bigger points gap like you say
1: I think it's it's a, it's a almost more of a test for City because uh, obviously their win against Burnley at the weekend meant that was their first back-to-back victories since September of course when everything was looking very positive at the start of the season obviously the biggest game they played or potentially you could argue the toughest opposition was Spurs um, they were beaten pretty convincingly 2-0 at White Hart Lane so this game is a real test for Guardiola in terms of the opposition in terms of the the structure of the league in terms of how we're going to view his team going forward and their title challenge so I'm excited for this one I am very excited for this one I think it to make a bold and brash score prediction Chelsea Man City based on what I saw of Chelsea last week I'm going to say 1 all all
2: yeah I think, oh, I'm gonna you know, say two one Chelsea
1: wow, okay, um I'm just thinking know man city at home, Guardiola being uh the 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 consumer tactician, he might find a way to to negate this this system that Conte's got going on i mean I mean
2: possibly possibly so but then this side has sat back, and uh I will be interested to see how they use their front line, whether they run at the weaknesses of man City and basically try and catch them off their feet but then it, sorry of Chelsea and if, I just wonder uh, if if Guardiola is going to focus on one or two of those guys at the back uh, maybe, maybe just one and just keep trying to exploit the gaps between those defenders because it is possible to exploit those uh, especially especially with players like Sterling etc but the problem is that they just I mean Moses and Alonso sitting there just makes it so much harder to attack from any angle that maybe Man City would want to attack from Fingers crossed
1: ladies and gentlemen, that Chris's connection is stable because this one is all about him. Legend. uh, Friend of the show. John Shin. Long time listener. Long time friend. Says, Chris, what are your thoughts on NASL and the Cosmos?
4: It's disappointing. Um, Now that I've got that statement out, I can attempt something a bit more complicated, which is to say that Essentially, it seems like the more that's changed, the more has stayed the same. The, the ownership group realistically has repeated a lot of the mistakes of the, the previous iteration in the 70s and 80s, which is they've overspent and just assumed that the money coming in would just increase, that attendances might rise and that people would keep wanting to see a team um, that didn't have huge stars. The Raul center like players who, yeah, I think appealed to tourists and, and definitely had a core fan base but didn't have a huge one. Um, that just dwindled. Ultimately, they they don't have their own stadium, which it, it, granted is something that hampers NYCFC. But at least they have Villa and Pelo and Lampard and players that people realistically want to see. With all due respect to the NASL guys, a lot a lot of them are Americans who aren't aren't really selling many tickets. Um, I think it's disappointing that a historic team like that is in that position. Of course, it's it's not what anyone wants to see. Whether you like the sport in this country or not. Um, unfortunately I, th- I think they've pushed themselves into into that corner though
1: that was amazing i'm just amazed by the connection fantastic um carlos <laughs> zaldivar uh always okay. write in the good questions always write them in he said uh, individual and or collective team of the year mine is this he's gone for uh oblak pk pepe Godín. Chiellini, no, sorry, Benucci, Modric, Iniesta, Kante, Ronaldo, Messi, and Suarez. That's a pretty decent team, Carlos. I think we'll do our team of the year as we did last year to cap 2016. One of our final podcasts, we'll sort of talk about our team of the year and sort of talk for our selections and who merits to be in each position. We'll go in a little more in depth on that one. Um, but thank you very much for your question. Thank you very much for sending in your team. Uh, Chris, this one's coming back at you again. Uh, Henrik writes in saying, how good is Odegaard right now? He will be one hell of a player. Obviously, Martin Odegaard at Real Madrid, a huge fanfare. Was it in 2014 he signed for, for Los Blancos? Yeah. At the age of 15 20, years old? January, I
2: think it was January
1: of 2015. And he's uh, he sort of started to make... Well, he made a rare appearance, I think it's fair to say, in, in the Copperell uh, del Rey clash this evening, the 6-1 win um, over Leonessa. I mean, Chris, what do you make of, of Odegaard? Do you think he's still got that, that potential to fulfil the talent that everyone was, was hyping him up for all those years ago, two years ago?
4: I think, of, of course, he does he is still exceptionally young. He, he's, you know, we, we talked about Donnarumma and Locatelli there before, He's in that same.
2: <laughs> anyway, there we go. Lovely, beautiful, fantastic. We'll probably
1: ask answer that question again next week. Um, Chris, has uh, got a slight dodgy connection out in New York. I've only apologised, but you know, at least he's here. Do you know what I mean? He's putting in the effort. He's putting in the time to be here for you guys. Yes, you're only getting one out of every ten words, but I mean, it's the thought that counts, guys. Um, let's finish on a lovely question from. Ray Burke, you. he said, I finally remembered my question. He must have forgot it, I assume. He said, How has the front three affected your lives? He suggests maybe you've gotten more
2: publicity, etc. etc. Definitely not. Um, if anything, I've had less. <laughs> uh, um, how is it?
1: How, how has the front three affected your life?
2: It's meant that I've got to spend a lot more time with people that i like mm. um it's good I, you know what i really appreciate was that i before i'd sort of had football ideas and sort of want to make videos and uh, there were some very you know some very good people around me that maybe weren't as well equipped but were very well informed uh about football and for a long time made a lot of effort and was sort of working in a direction to get to this point i always wanted to kind of do my own channel as well and this has been a good place to sort of test out some of our ideas i find sometimes some things i say on the front three i will sort of you know uh expand out into the wider world um so it's yeah it's been nice you know uh and it's also just been good to spend time with you guys
4: nice. sometimes also
2: some also it's been beautiful lovely amazing Better. sometimes some people have sort of um uh, said oh i saw this on the front three it would be good if we could do that on our channel or something like that and i quite mm. enjoyed that because it means that it, I think there are some people who I really respect in the industry that have seen it and say, uh, oh, you know, I saw this, thought it was good. So I like that other people watch that. What about you, Bartwood? Um but What was closer?
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, I think uh, it's effective. I working
2: from close. You
1: know, I've got three good friends now as opposed to three casual acquaintances, as opposed to three people I occasionally work with, you know. I think we've it's a good all point, become. Good point. Relatively, we didn't
2: know each other as well as no, we thought we did when we first started. Did we? I th-
1: you know, when I think I s- suggested to you, I thought like, you know we should have podcast because I thought I always enjoyed talking to you about football. I enjoyed talking to Dave about football, and I thought it's a waste to to lose that when we sort of stopped um, stop making content for football daily. I thought you know what it would be great to still have those chats because you know I love talking about football. I think you know yourself and Dave are two of the I think you're two of the most intelligent people I've ever met in your own ways, you know, in, in very <clears> different <throat> ways. Chris as well, I would definitely add in there. Um, but it's like a different, each of you's got your own sort of intelligence, if you know what I mean. So coming together, I think it's really interesting to hear all of you speak about football. I like to think that, you know, I I know what people want to hear about. Um, uh, and, you know, you know, I've got my own opinions and, and, and enjoy chucking them in, but it's more for me about, I really enjoy the discussions we have on the podcast. And as I say, you know, I think we've become good friends from, from doing a podcast. Whereas before didn't really know you
2: guys very well at all. Not as well anyway. Yeah. And well, you'd say casual acquaintances. We've, saw, well, acquaintances. we've upgraded from acquaintances. We met every Monday, didn't we? And we'd sort of do the, the football daily, weekly and yeah, it was out, quite, I quite I said, a professional, you know. well, professional ish <laughs> vibe. I'd say. Yeah. Um, well, Yeah. Definitely not on my
1: part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't say you know it hasn't affected my life in terms of
2: uh, publicity or anything like that. I think you know. Uh, I mean, you do have three thousand followers almost, Adam. On uh... <coughs> four thousand. Um... I, mean, I mean, I mean, on the front three account. But oh, all right, right. Right. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But I think, um, I think it's more about you know, uh, you know. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think we all enjoy doing this podcast. I think it allows us to to express our thoughts and our feelings
2: on the game it allows us to do something well, creative around what we enjoy doing um also it, it there's obviously we've it's meant that i've become close with uh chris i was the thing is the reason i didn't say chris was because i was already very close with chris So Chris oh was, no, I was speaking of like for myself a, dear, I should, should a say. dear friend to me in that sense and i uh was always looking for good projects i'm really glad actually that Kristen has sort of he was always he was always in the mind from the beginning, but we called oh, yeah. it front three. Um, it's also been good because it's meant that I've been close with other people. There have been lovely people who have reached out, like um, Solomon, who has done some Bundesliga videos for us. Nick Morales, who's done some uh, fantastic analysis that hasn't come out on the channel yet, but he's still. Going to come out uh, and uh, people like Napoon and obviously also the the Bob Bradley interview that went out this week, and also just talking to people on Twitter in general, coming into contact with people that maybe you or Dave had contact with, that then we all pulled those people together on the front three. Yeah. And maybe they, you know, they, some of my people who follow me maybe wouldn't have never come into contact with Dave and vice versa.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And like you say, it's great to, you know, uh, we don't get hundreds of millions of hits or anything like that, but I think it's almost. Uh, I'm really proud that we've got quite a small but quite uh, loving, affectionate. Yeah, a loving uh, kind of community each. around it. You know, we have so many great people sending questions every single week. People like John Sheehan, people like Carlos, who sort of send in these great questions. And I think, you know, it's gratifying and, you know, it's kind of humbling in a way that people enjoy hearing us speak yeah, about football. It's humbling. But that they want to be part of the conversation as well, that they are part of the conversation. I think it's quite a. Uh, it's quite a—it's a, a very nice thing that we've we've built, and long may it continue. Yes.
2: Although it's also worrying that this is the longest answer we've given on the whole podcast. Um, so yeah,
1: no, not necessarily. You know, what's worrying about that? We're talking about what we enjoy about doing on the front free. You know,
2: about ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> because we're self-obsessed and narcissists.
4: In fairness, my Martin Odegaard answer was much longer, but it probably didn't come through. <laughs>
2: Very good point, yeah. Yeah, Chris has been speaking for 10 minutes and just <laughs> yeah. finished him. Okay.
4: I, so I think he will fulfill his potential. I've Chris, potentially please. got a pocket of, of decent airspace. I think what I would say about him is everyone who's expecting stuff from him at this age <laughs> is ignoring what he himself said, which is he's not going to be the best player he could be until he's 26. He's still in the Locatelli, Donnarumma age bracket. So time is massively on his side for all the people that think that real madrid's not a good place for him to develop he could easily develop elsewhere i think there's a, a naive kind of expectation that's also really founded on a lack of patience
1: uh chris how's how, how's the front three affected your life we'd uh you sort of tailed off I'm on going your to the answer.
2: Bridge. <laughs> yeah.
1: You tailed off on your own answer so we moved on, but we do appreciate you answering it because, you know, we'd love to hear your thoughts. But um, we were answering a question about how the front three has affected our lives. I mean, what do you reckon?
4: Um Honestly I think in, in a lot of ways I would echo the sentiments a lot a little bit and say that for me personally, um, it it brought me definitely, I think, closer to yourself and, and Dave in the sense of you were people that I knew through Lawrence, but not very: Yeah acquaintances.: Not or anything like that, not, not past yeah, not past the professional level. Um, yeah, no. And I think honestly it, it also it gave me a platform to be slightly more expressive and able to unpack ideas into a, a much bigger, broader space, which is, is something I think I've been trying to do for a, a while without always having the, the canvas to do that.
2: It's a good Beautiful. testing round. you know what I mean? It's good. Mm. It is good. It's, it's and it, You know what? It's, it's always fun to go over to the Front3 account and see what is on there. It um, is indeed. Um, but
1: if you enjoy the podcast, guys, if you yeah, share awesome. our sentiments, then do leave us a review on iTunes. You can rate the podcast out of five and write a little review uh, about why you enjoy the Front3. Uh, it helps us in the iTunes rankings, helps more listeners find us um so we'd appreciate that very much very much very much um guys thank you so much for listening to the q a apologies for the slightly patchy signal but like i say you know it's the it's the thought that counts in many ways
2: hmm. should we mention the bob bradley interview at this point just just to push people towards watch- yeah
1: let's um if you haven't already um uh, what's wrong with you if you haven't listened to our exclusive bob bradley interview then go and do it now um scott Nichols, uh, the journalist, uh, he approached you, Lawrence. I mean, we told the whole story on uh, the on the exclusive itself. You were speaking about it on Monday's podcast, but it is, you know, I literally cannot stress enough how interesting it is. I think it's almost unprecedented for a Premier League manager to speak at that length uh, and to give that level of of detail and insight into his process and into his methods. I think it is, it's really interesting to hear uh, from Bob Brelli and I, for one, have got uh, you know a newfound respect. For him i think he comes across a very intelligent man a very well considered man and um yeah i hope swansea uh, do stay up this season so that we can yeah. continue to see bob in the premier league
2: partly um, did make me want uh, swansea to stay up yeah yeah weird. definitely
1: um but you know uh, i think fair play to him for for doing that i think to, to to sort of reach out to someone like scott and sort of want to have that conversation and have that dialogue with him and I think there's a lot to, to respect about that in an age where you, know, you, you only hear managers speak in small sound bites and players speak, uh, speak in small sound bites, so you don't really get to a level of understanding how, how their process works. I think it is a very interesting podcast. So, again, a massive thank you to Scott and, of course, Nipunu, who hooked us up, right?
2: Lovely guy, Nipun, great guy. Uh, the ULF podcast, really good, excellent. If you're a United or a Liverpool fan, go and listen to it. What's the
1: deal with the, the Twitter Bants? but uh, he's your nemesis. What's that
2: about? Uh, we like, just we actually... Hearty uh, banter. He's just, yeah, just a dick. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like you flip-flopped slightly. I'm not quite sure. I, can't, I mean, um, I can't, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the way that I feel about him, ultimately. He's just a massive... Uh, I mean, you know, he's a massive car. Lovely guy. Oh, right, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Nippoon, I love you. Don't worry about it. Can't stress it us. enough. Can't stress him much, um, enough how much I hate that guy. But, guys, thank you so
1: much for listening to front-free <laughs> just moving on swiftly uh we will see you our uh, next monday um for our weekend review for our european game of the weekend and our player of the week all that good stuff until then though Lawrence. until monday where can the whole find you uh
2: go to our youtube uh the youtube of the front three Brilliant. type in the front three on youtube chris <laughs> out
1: in new york thank you for joining us and battling through your dodgy dodgy signal um where can the good people, where can the whole find you before Monday? I mean,
2: that's perfect. Oh, man. k henage, H-E-N-E-A-G-E. Thanks a lot No, Your accent's thicker oh, out um, in New
1: York, Chris. Yeah. Weird, that. Um, Chris, thanks so much. At K-Hennage on Twitter. Do go and follow him there. Guys, you can follow Carl me Reit. at Adam <laughs> Boltwood on Twitter. Make sure you follow at the front three with the number, not the word, as well. Get your questions in there throughout the week for next week's Q and A pod.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus.
1: Until Monday, have a great week and enjoy the weekend's football.